Hello, and welcome to SoundingTheLight.com, the place where you can connect to real artists, real stories, real talk. In this episode, we hear from guest drummer and songwriter Brandon Coker as he shares his heart and his new song, Death Was Arrested. My name is Tara Tucker. Thank you so much for joining me today on Sounding the Light. Hope you're having a great day, and I'm glad that you chose to spend this part of it with me. I'm going to get right to the introduction of today's special guest. I'm very excited to share this interview that I had with Brandon Coker, who is a full-time drummer as well as a songwriter. Um, currently, he plays drums at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and he has had the honor of uh, playing concerts with artists such as Matt Redman, Aaron Schust, and Steve Fee, and has also co-written several well-known worship songs, uh, one which is Trust It All, as well as a new song that has been getting a lot of attention lately, and which uh, North Point just finished recording and producing. In fact, this song called Death Was Arrested. It is releasing today, December 4th. It is now available. Great song, very powerful. And the very exciting thing is that uh, Brandon actually talks about uh, the behind the scenes of this song, a beautiful stirring story of where it came from. And he has allowed me to share the whole song with you in this podcast. I had such a great time talking to Brandon. He just has a really refreshing and insightful perspective on things, and it was a pleasure to get to hear his heart and testimony. Uh, This interview was actually done the day before Thanksgiving, so as you can imagine, anticipation was building, not only for the release of Death Was Arrested, but also in preparation for the holidays. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Brandon Coker. Well, Brandon Coker, I just want to say thank you for uh, joining me here at the Sounding the Light studio. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is a, it's kind of a joy. I, I never expected to get anything quite this fast uh, rolling on the song, so I'm really excited about this. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm very excited to be uh, promoting it, and I cannot wait to share your new song. This is going to be great. So. I'm so excited. Thank you again for uh, for doing that. And yeah, honestly, it's crazy. I haven't even heard the finished version of it myself. It kept <laughs> super under wraps oh my gosh so it's gonna be like this big reveal even to you that's great (laughs) yeah it's crazy so the song that we are talking about is the one that you have just written and will be very soon released uh which is called death was arrested uh but i would like to know a little bit about you before we get into you know the music that you've written and played cool where were you born I was born in Griffin, Georgia, which is, I know that town is a hotbed of, of talent. It's the weirdest thing. It is. Uh, yeah, I was born uh, right there in Griffin, Georgia in Spalding Regional Hospital on July the 26th, 1985, the year of our Lord. So really <laughs> awesome. excited. Yeah, really excited to be representing the South everywhere I go. It's great. Yeah, so, who'd have thunk, you yeah. know, that out of little Griffin, so much... Uh... Like you're saying, so much talent just bursts Every time from here. I took my wife there for the first time, and uh, she literally like got this look on her face, like this is it, like this town <laughs> produced the Jason Hordes and the Brian Scoggins and the Emily Hearns and all these people, and I'm like, yes, yes, it did. I don't know why, but it sure did. So that's awesome. So where's your wife from? If she's not from here, she's from Gainesville, Georgia, which I try to tell her is about the same, but I, <laughs> but I think they have two WalMarts, so that <laughs> may put them- oh. They've they've stepped up. <laughs> so you got kids? Uh, no kids. We do have a dog. He's awesome. His name is Copper. Nice. Um, but no kids. We've been married. We'll celebrate 
uh, our third anniversary on this Saturday coming up. So, oh, congratulations. Thank you. We appreciate that. It's so great. you've got a couple of big things coming up. You've got your anniversary and you've got your new song releasing. That's exactly right. Absolutely. You're going to have a good week. Oh, and, yep. you know, and Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, by the time that this comes out, Thanksgiving will have already happened. But we're still looking forward to Thanksgiving. So it sounds like you've actually been pretty busy today getting ready for it. Oh, man, I'm telling you, three grocery stores in one morning. I just want to spend time with my wife. And so... <laughs> I don't think I contributed anything other than, sure, that sounds good, honey. Great, that sounds good, honey. I mean, <laughs> My husband would totally get that. He That sounds just like him. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say I was useless, but I wasn't very useful. So <laughs> we got to have some kids to help us shop. <laughs> no, they, they don't help. <laughs> <laughs> just cost more money. I love my kids, but they don't help me shop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, speaking of kids, do you have a favorite growing up memory? You know, I do. Uh, my family, they all live right there in Griffin still. And um, and honestly, that's the best part for me when I think about growing up. My mom and dad have been married for 30-something years. And, oh, that's awesome. I mean, they are just like the epitome of what it means to love God and love <laughs> each other really well. And they loved us really well as kids. And so um, just that, I think family is the best way I can sum up. When I think about my childhood, I think about hunting and fishing with my grandfather and um, you know, playing baseball and, and them sitting on the sidelines. My whole family would be there cheering for me <laughs> out in left field, not not hitting or catching anything <laughs> in my way. Just, you know, they cheered and they were there. And so just family. That's that's the when I think about my childhood, that's what I think about. Okay, so you are officially a drummer officially, as well yes. as a songwriter. So what made you interested in the drums to begin with? Okay, so this is a great story. Um <laughs> My friend and yours, Mr. Brian Scoggin, who, uh, for those of you listening, is the drummer for Casting Crowns, uh, he and I grew up in the same church together, and Brian's dad uh, was a drummer, and he would lead worship from the drums. I just remember specifically being enamored by him. Um, at that age, I was about 11 or 12 years old, and he was the best drummer that I'd ever seen uh, with my own eyes. And so I would just sit there and watch him out every Sunday, front row, glued to him, mm-hmm. and um one day he was like, Brandon, uh, I would like to go play piano and lead from the piano because that's way more traditional than leading from the drums. So would you be interested in learning how to play drums? And so I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. So he was like, great. Um, and I wish I was lying, but this is exactly how it went down. He said, grab this tambourine and come stand behind me and shake it for a couple of weeks and watch me. And then we'll see if it makes sense. I mean, it's the craziest story. I mean, for the record, I've since tried this and it didn't work. And uh, so sure enough, I just stood behind him and I shook a tambourine for a couple of weeks. And then finally he was like, okay, sit down with some sticks. Let's see what you can do. You can I'm, at least keep a, keep a rhythm on the tambourine. So yeah, graduate. So believe it or not, I sat down and pretty quickly started being able to play at least a beat. Now I will say that I just had one beat, but I could play it. And awesome. Uh, so, so you had it like you had it right in your blood. Which is crazy because no one else in my family sings or plays an instrument, not my immediate family. Now, I hear stories about, you know, cousin this and uncle that and grandpappy this that used to play, you know, the harmonica or whatever. But I've never, as far as anyone that I can, you know, honestly uh, say immediate family, no one plays or sings anything. So, pretty interesting. Yeah, that is. And now do you play drums full time? That is what I do. Yeah. um, Honestly, ever since I graduated high school... I graduated and immediately started touring. So um, it's been a 
it's been a crazy ride for my family, honestly, to be able to look at me and say, okay, so you're not going to go to college, <laughs> no, not, and you're going to go play music for a living. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know it sounds crazy, but yes, like that's what I feel like God's calling me to do. So huh. right out of high school, I just started playing drums and uh, I haven't had another job since really. So, so uh, who do you find yourself playing with most? Is it one specific group or do you kind of go around? I kind of go around. Um, I will say the thing that kind of got my career kickstarted was I was in a band called Fee. Uh, our lead singer was Steve Fee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in a band called Fee for four years. Um, and that kind of got my name on the map. I think, you know, before that, I was just kind of doing the camp circuit and kind of running around with this worship leader and that worship leader. But when Steve um, started the band and I joined that, uh, it put it put me on the map as far as a drummer. People started taking me more seriously and it opened up my eyes to the fact that it really could be a career. Like I could actually do this, you know? Yeah, that's, so, that um, sounds like a lot of fun. And then after Fee, uh, I played some with uh, Matt Redman and um, nice. Aaron Schust. I've been out with Aaron for a, a bunch of shows and a couple tours over the last few years. He's a, an incredible man. Um, and so, yeah, and there's some, some new chapters opening up later um, that we'll talk about a little, a little bit later on. But for, uh, for now, I'm pretty pumped. I've been able to, to to figure out not only how to take care of myself, but you know my wife as well. And, and honestly, yeah. it all points to God and, and to His provision. And you know the the the, uh, the Bible says that if we lift Him up, uh, He'll draw men to Himself. And I believe honestly, like just because I've used my talent to uh, exalt the name of Jesus, He's just taking care of all the things need to be taken care of. You know, so yeah. we pay our light bills and we eat, and it's great. And <laughs> I'm able to do it through through music, which I love, so it's great. So what is your schedule like? Do you tour a lot or do you stay you know, in the Atlanta area? Um, I tour a pretty fair amount. I had just, okay, so I'll go ahead and spill the beans. I had just kind of <laughs> um, come back out of retirement, I felt like. Uh, I'm only 30 years old, but in the musician world, that's like a dinosaur. And so uh, I had been off the road now for quite a while and just super invested into North Point Community Church where uh, my wife and I attend and um, playing there every Sunday, playing special events. And I'm super involved with our student ministry, which is called Inside Out. Awesome. And I've been really involved with them. And so honestly, I've been able to make a living traveling some, but for the most part, staying plugged in at our church and, um, and really investing there. But um, starting beginning of next year, 2016, I, I will be on the Winter Jam Tour with Mr. David Crowder. So I'm pretty excited about nice. that. That'll be awesome. Oh yeah. It'll be the the first time I've been out on a major tour in a long time. So I'm excited to get back out there and get the wheels on the bus rolling. So that's awesome. Congrats on that. Hey, thanks. Just as an aside, uh, about the whole, you know, being old at 30 thing in the music world, it's kind of sad because the older that you get, I feel like, you know, the more experience that you get and the better that you get. No doubt about it. You know, truthfully, I do find myself now in more of a pouring out role or a pouring into the younger guy's role. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't mind that. I think that's got something um, to be said for it. Um, you know, whether I'm out there and, and traveling like I used to or whether I'm the front and center face that I used to be, I kind of – and this sounds like such an old man thing to say, but <laughs> I really do find – probably more enjoyment out of watching the young guys succeed than I do even myself. You know, there's a handful of guys that I've really tried to pour myself into from a drummer standpoint. And honestly, just from a believer and, and you know, what I really 
uh, feel like God um, does through worship and through music. And I've really tried to invest that in the, in the younger guys and to watch them succeed just blows my doors off. Like I oh, love, man. it's pretty awesome. I bet they really appreciate that too. I think they do. You know, they seem to, they seem to sit and soak it all up. So again, I feel like an old, an old man sitting on the front porch telling stories, but Hey, if it works, it works. <laughs> so who were you listening to as you were growing up, especially after you started playing drums? Yeah, sure. Um, there are a few people that were super instrumental for me. Uh, obviously I talked about Roger Scoggin earlier. He just, he set the ball in motion and, and helped and knocked off a lot of the rough edges pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, my youth pastor, I changed, I switched churches and started going to a large church there in Griffin. And my youth pastor was a guy named Tim Bach. And Tim had traveled the world and had seen um, just a, a lot of really cool things musically. And he was a great singer and great uh, piano player. And so he started knocking off some of the other rough edges on me and mm-hmm. helped me like understand, hey, if you want to do this for a living, you can really do it. So um, he like obviously took me to a whole nother level. And then there's a drummer in Atlanta who I've admired forever, and his name is Scott Meter. He's an older an older guy. He used to play with Thirty Eight Special, and like I mean, just just one of the Godfathers, really. <laughs> and um, and he was so kind, and even still is so kind to me, and just receives me right in. And any questions I have, he answers. And um, more importantly, he's one of those guys, he just goes about his business the right way and he always comes in prepared and he never phones it in and he's always the first one there, the last one to leave. You know, he's just set an example for guys like me of, hey, if you want to do this for a living, this is the kind of work ethic it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's incredible and he's right here in Atlanta. I love his style. I love everything about him. And then my favorite drummer of all time is a guy who plays for Keith Urban and his name is uh, Chris McHugh. Uh-huh. Chris is a, an A-list uh, drummer in Nashville. He does um, just some incredible things uh, musically. He records a bunch of records, and he, uh, yeah, I mean, he's the go-to, the go-to guy in Nashville. I love his approach. The way I've always said it about him is he and I could set up a drum set in a room and play the exact same thing, and for some reason, whatever he did would just sound better. So, <laughs> So, I mean, so this is another guy you've met. Oh, I haven't met him. No, okay. I've just admired him from afar. So, I'm hoping one of these days to be able to meet him. Yeah, I, I think it's actually really cool that you were mainly influenced by people that you were able to watch and interact sure. with. That's great. Yeah, I, I, and that matters. I think that's another reason I'm so hands on with these younger guys is because people were hands on with me. People took the time and the effort and the energy and stayed up past time that they wanted to stay up just to talk and stayed later than they wanted to stay just to answer my questions. And so I think that's part of it. Like I, I want to be that for other guys, you know? Yeah, that's cool. So it sounds like you grew up in church. Is that right? I did. Yeah. I grew up um, right there at Griffin First Assembly of God in Griffin, Georgia. That was kind of the, the deal. I cannot remember a time in my life when I wasn't in church. My mom and dad were super faithful um, to put us in the doors every time they were open. And, you know, we were there for Sunday school. We were there for, um, I mean, everything. Every mm-hmm. Wednesday night, every Sunday. I mean, the doors were open. We were. That's awesome. That's yep. really awesome. So, do you remember a time where you had, um, you know, more of a personal or serious encounter with God? No doubt. When I was 15 years old, it went from, I think, being my parents' faith to being my own. Um, and just like I'm, I'm sure a lot of people's stories, like my my faith or my life um, ran up against a little bit of opposition and a little bit of things that made it struggle and a little bit of things that made it 
Um, not just all unicorns and roses every day. And so I had to really get serious and be like, okay, what do I really believe about God? Do I believe this because mom and dad tell me to, or do I believe it because it's real? Um, so when I was 15 years old, I sat down with my youth pastor, Tim Bach again, and just started asking him a bunch of questions about things that I doubted. And you know, the problems that, that I had when I read the Bible, some things that didn't make sense or all this stuff. And he didn't shun me. He didn't push me away. He allowed me to ask questions and he allowed me to have doubts and he allowed me to, to flush all that stuff out and um, really land in a place with what I believed about God to be true. And more importantly, what I believed about Jesus, um, you know, he's the game changer in the whole thing. So it's like, you know, I had to, I had to get to a place where um, even honestly, theologically, I didn't even probably believe half the things that my mom and dad had taught me growing up and not out of that I thought they were wrong or whatever mm-hmm. else. Just like, man, I needed to go sit down and dig through the scriptures and really see what I felt about, yes. about who God and Jesus, um, uh, what they meant to me. So when I was 15, I really made that decision, really made that turn. And then it just, uh, it blossomed from there. You know, it, it took it from characters on a felt board to like real life stuff. You know, like I felt like I really understood the heart of God and, um, and the heart of God for me and how mm-hmm. he felt about me. So it was great. It's so funny. I I hear different things from people, whether they, you know, didn't come to God until a little bit later in life or whether they grew up in church. There's always a point where God like comes and absolutely makes himself real. Sure. And I love hearing that. I mean, and it's because like we serve a God that's still alive and still moving and still active. And, and, you know, like all those things that people feel and all the struggles and trials that come about, like, He's not um, he's not taken by surprise by any of that stuff, and he's mm-hmm. kind of waiting on you to turn to him in those moments. I think it's, you know, I think that's just kind of part of his heart is those things come, and he's just sitting there waiting, like, okay, you know, how are you going to respond to this? And um, and when you turn to him, I think he's just so faithful to meet you, and that's what he did for me. So it was great. So uh, you know, we've been talking about drums a lot, but you also uh, like to songwrite. And I would love to get into that because I knew you as a drummer. First yep. of all, I had no idea that you were a songwriter as well until this uh, this new one that's coming up. And then I, you know, started hearing, oh, well, he's, you know, you've written a lot of other stuff. Sure. When did you first get interested in songwriting? All right, this is this is another one of those moments in my life where I have a very clear memory <laughs> of this. It was right after nine eleven. Um, I was young. I was sixteen years old, and. And I didn't really know how to feel. I was uh, on the road in Birmingham playing some drums the weekend that it happened or the week that it happened. And like in all of us, truthfully, in all of us, it just stirred up a a lot of emotion. And as a 16-year-old, you know, I didn't feel probably a lot of the things that some older, more seasoned people felt, Mm -hmm. but I definitely felt something. And I was trying to figure out how to express that. And the way that um, I'll never forget seeing it, there was um, a mother – and it might have been a wife, I think it was, of a man who was about to get deployed to go over um, and fight. And so one of our troops, and I remember they were crying like crazy. Mm. And then he kept it together in the video. I remember seeing this. The, the, the soldier kept it together. You know, he hugged him. And then as soon as he walked away from them, he broke down. Mm. And I remember thinking, like, man, this is this is real deal. Like, this is the real stuff. And that, that right there is real emotion. And that's just one picture of it, but I guarantee you that's happening. So I sat down with a friend of mine and I was like, man, I just want to write this little song from the perspective of a soldier who's, who's leaving 
his wife and leaving his mom to go fight for his country, which he's honored and, and, and obviously called to do, but at the same time feels um, the separation and feels some pain. So we sat down and wrote a song called Tears of a Soldier. I'll never forget it. And honestly, it's probably not even that great of a song. But for me in those moments, it was like, okay, I can see where using songwriting to get an emotion out that otherwise I could not express. Right, yes. Became not only like a pipe dream, it became something I could do. So we wrote maybe two or three little country songs that kind of kind of felt country or whatever. Christian music for me was always tougher to write. I've written way more country stuff than Christian stuff and <laughs> not here's why I think um because I've grown up in church, everything sounds like Christianese to me. And so, you know, I'm like, how many times can we re-say the same thing? You know, and that's, and that's the hard part about writing Christian music, just being candid. Like, we've got one subject. We've got one topic. We've got one man, one mm. mission that we talk about. Yeah. In, you know, country world, you talk about heartbreak. You can talk about love. You can talk about family. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. You know, Friday night parties, whatever. Like, in country music, the the... The, the canvas is blank and you can throw anything on there. Obviously with Christian music, uh, it's tougher to write on. And number two, I think you have a higher responsibility with what you say. Hmm, you yes. just you can't just throw things out there that rhyme and think it's great. Like it's got to have meaning and sustenance and, and actually mean something. Um, Cause you're singing about the only thing that matters in the world. So good point. I like that. Yeah. I, I, so I, I, I didn't really feel scared. I wasn't afraid to write Christian music. I honestly, I just hadn't been to a place where I felt super inspired to do it or mm -hmm. had not been invited in on a song that I felt super inspired to write. So, um, and that's another thing, uh, obviously, because I play drums um, and I don't really sing and I don't play any um, melodic instruments, I'm a little handicapped when mm -hmm. it comes to, to songwriting. But at the same time, I view it as a strength to a degree because I'm a, just a lyric guy. Like, if you tell me, hey, here's my chorus idea, here's what I want the overarching idea of, of the song to be, I can help get you there. Most people didn't know that I even wrote songs. So um, the guy who's really helped me into that door is a guy named Heath Baltziegler, who's also from Griffin. <laughs> and, um, and Heath um, lives up here in Atlanta now, and he has a publishing deal where he writes country songs and Christian songs. And so he invited me in to come help him write a couple of country songs, and we did. And, um, and he was like, man, you're really good with lyrics. You should really try this Christian thing. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm not afraid of it, but I just, I don't know. So anyway, he had this chorus. Um, ended up turning into a song called Trust It All that's on the new Here album from North Point. Yes. And um, Trust It All, uh, Heath had the chorus. And we'd been singing the chorus as a church for a, a couple months. And I was like, man, I really like that song. And I really like that chorus. And so just kind of boldly one day, I said, hey, man, let me help you write the verses to that song. Hmm. He was like, all right. That was the first time I'd ever felt super inspired, like, hey, this song needs some verses, and I think I could get us there. So uh, so verse one of Trust It All, um, I wrote. So he kind of helped open the door to get me, like, believing that that was a new thing I could do and that yeah. God wanted me to do. And uh, it was pretty quickly after that that I started getting invited in on some more Christian stuff. And then obviously Death of the Rested has 
blown the doors wide open. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I uh, would actually like to share your song, Trust It All, um, here on the podcast. And uh, I'm I'm glad that you told a little bit of the backstory. Did you play drums on this one at all? I surely did. That is me playing the drums right there. And that's uh, our friend Brett Stanfield singing it. Um, He's Christian Stanfield from Passion. It's his brother, Brett. Okay. That's awesome. I saw his name and I wondered if they were related. They are, yeah. Brett is on staff at North Point. He's in charge of our multi-campus student student worship uh, band. So basically, anything that has to do with student worship, Brett Stanfield is in charge of it. So Awesome. uh, On the song, the writers are myself, uh, Steve Fee, and Heath Baltzigler. With every breath, with every word I speak, with every step, With every heartbeat Jesus, let it be for you For you only My whole life All for your glory With every
Uh, great song. I love it. Um, so you wrote the song or part of it and you yep. played on the song. So which do you have the most fun with playing or writing? Man, that's a great question. I think I still have to go with playing and mm-hmm. I know it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's my first love and it's what I've been doing the longest, but I just love live worship a ton. There's mm-hmm. something about watching the faces of people when the light bulbs go off, whenever you play a song like Trust It All and people go, you know what? I can't sing this song from a place of reality in my life right now. Hmm. I'm going to sing it anyway. And then to watch by the end of it when they're going, you know what? I do trust it all. And I, my dreams and my plans, I trust it all to God because He's the only one worth trusting them to anyway. There's something about watching the light bulb in a room go off or something about watching a specific... Um, I don't know. Like my heart is so big for people mm-hmm. that I still love playing in front of crowds and playing in front of people. I listen to what's going on on the stage, and I listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling me about what's going on in the room. Mm-hmm. And so I just play drums accordingly. You know, there I will play the same song differently two times in a row based on hey, this time there was a lot more energy in the room. The people. Yeah. Or excited, so I'll play up, and then the next time it was more of a reflective feeling in the room, so I'll play it down, or I'll even, you know, like, and all that stuff can change halfway through a song. If we start off reflective, and then the light bulb flips, and people are trusting God with everything, and like they really believe it, and they're singing it, and they're, you know, they mean what they're singing, then maybe we we ratchet it up the second half of the song. So I really love the ebb and flow of worship in a live setting a ton. Now that being said. The song you're singing matters a whole bunch. So mm-hmm. it's been, um, it has been really cool. I think, I think I, were, I may answer this question differently in six months mm-hmm. when I feel like um, I'm already seeing Trust It All do some really cool things and other, even like countries and um, that are singing the song and that, you know, it's spreading like wildfire. I believe with Death, Death Was Arrested, we're going to see that maybe even on a, a much larger scale. So maybe. Maybe six months from now, I feel differently about it. Once I see the wildfire grow and once I see what the capital C church gains from um, this next song, uh, I may feel differently about it. But for right now, I think I still have to take live. It's got to be, I was going to use the word satisfying, but so much more than that, like almost um, electrifying to see something that God has you know, spoken to you and, and other people are singing them and seeing uh, them get it. Absolutely. And and I'll even rewind a second and say, like, there's two, there are two different kind of feelings I have with the drumming. Live, I love to lead worship. In the studio, something hit me a while back. And even um, what you just played there with Trust It All, mm-hmm. that's a live recording hmm. that I played in the moment. Nothing was nothing was replaced. It's all what's there. Wow. But even on previous records that I've played, um, there's something really cool about recorded music as well from a drumming standpoint because it lasts forever. And the art that mm-hmm. I have, the moment that I felt and whatever else is on tape forever. And it's even cool to get on YouTube, and I do this every now and again, and I'll go look up songs that I've played and watch other uh, drummers cover it on YouTube. So it uh-huh. is, it's super encouraging for me to see that like other drummers are get, are getting inspiration from what I've done that's been recorded so that like that'll last forever and that'll have impact forever. Yeah. Switch, switching the gear, I think it's going to be even more so um, with songwriting because my drumming appeals to drummers 
songs appeal to everyone across the, I mean, across the board. Mm -hmm. So, you know, actual lyrics um, appeal to everyone. And uh, even with uh, with Death Death Was Arrested, they're going to release a Spanish version of it. And it's being um, awesome. Yeah, super cool. And it's being translated as we speak. And so, like, just to know, okay, drum parts would be cool to the drummers who speak Spanish, but to be able to sing the words and to be able to share something from my heart that other people want to sing and that they get into, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm super torn. Uh, <laughs> you asked me that question and my heart went two ways. So, <laughs> so does anything stand out in your mind as, uh, you know, either the funniest or the most embarrassing thing that, that happened <laughs> any time in your so. musical career? Yeah, uh, as a drummer, the worst thing that can possibly happen is to start the wrong song. Um, (laughs) Because, I don't know, you know, for your listeners, there's a lot of us these days that run click tracks and we're running accompaniment tracks. I mean, there may be uh, background vocals, there may be um, extra guitars, there may be, I mean, it could be a wide (laughs) gamut of extra help coming from the computer. Yeah. So when you Which isn't very forgiving. (laughs) uh, If by very forgiving, you mean not forgiving at all. (laughs) Um, and so, and it will be obviously if you start the wrong song and it's two completely different tempos, then it's like, obviously, you know, something's wrong, (laughs) but there have been a couple times in my career where I've started songs that were close to the tempo that they should have been. And we launched full on into something and then a a whole nother key, whole nother, I mean, everything fires in there behind it. And I'm just like, (laughs) where are we? What? Yeah, and, and like there's no, I wish there was an eject button on the drum drum so I could be shot through the ceiling so I didn't have to feel that feeling anymore. But but there's not, there's no trap door under the stage for the drummer to fall into. So uh-huh. I did that literally, I mean, multiple times I've just had to stop and stand up and like grab the mic and be like, that was on me. I'm sorry. Here we go. Let's try that again. So that's pretty terrible. There's been some great uh, tour pranks. I'll tell one that I uh, I really enjoy telling. I was out with Aaron Schust, and we were doing a tour with a band called Down Here. They're no longer together anymore, but they were just super talented group of dudes. But their keyboard player and one of their singers is a guy named Jason Germain. And for some reason, it was the night before the last night of a tour, which is the cardinal sin. Like, you can't do anything the night before the last night because that still gives me a night to retaliate. <laughs> so I did. Anyway, I'm walking out on the stage. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Schust. And Jason Germain takes a bucket not a handful, not a pouch, a bucket of glitter and dumps it on. So I walk out head to toe, sparkle. Oh my god! I look like My Little Pony trying to go play drums. <laughs> and so I walk up there, and it's terrible. And play the entire set. If I shook my head, like glitter was falling all over the drums, it was terrible. You totally so, upstaged Aaron's shoes that night, I'm sure. Oh. I tried so hard not to make it obvious, but I mean, I think anybody that was sitting within, I don't know, two states could see me shining. And so (laughs) the good news is I was able to get him back pretty good because uh, he did dump most of the glitter, but he didn't dump all the glitter. (laughs) So I got the same pile of glitter and I went to his suitcase and I unzipped it. And I dumped it all in his suitcase, shook it around. I I even have a video of this somewhere, but I shook it around like uh, just as good as I could to make sure it really got evenly dispersed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it really good. Really well, yeah. So anyway, (laughs) he ends up 
not saying a word. Like he changed clothes and he's sparkling. Like I mean, he didn't say. <laughs> He did not say a word until uh, finally the last the last thing he said as we were leaving each other for the tour. He goes, "I'm gonna have to throw that suitcase away." He's like, oh. "I'll never get off the ground my suitcase." I was like, "You sir are welcome." So, oh man, well I bet he kept it just for you know sentimentality's sake. <laughs> he should have. If he didn't, he missed a good chance. So there's been some really good. Some other really good pranks, but that one right there, that one stuck with me pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's great. Somebody's got it on an iPhone somewhere. It's, oh, yeah. it's on YouTube somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> In the bowels of YouTube. Yeah, no kidding. Lord knows what's out there. So. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, we have been talking bits and pieces about this song called Death Was Arrested. Well, yep. I would love to play that, and I'm really excited because... It is just releasing, and uh, I would love to hear, you know, where that came from, because I know you were um, the writer on that. So tell us where that came from. Sure. So, um, and, and just to, to clarify, uh, it was I was the lead the lead idea c- carrier and uh, and the lead writer on the song, but I did have help because again. I can't sing or play, so every time every time uh, I write a song, it pretty much is just a poem until some some other talented human beings help me carry it. So uh-huh. um, I'll tell you, just from the beginning, um, three years ago, I was visiting my uncle down in St. Mary's, Georgia, which is not too far from the coast, um, maybe 40 minutes south of Savannah, something like that. And uh, one morning, he said, hey, let's go into downtown St. Mary's. Uh, they have a cool coffee shop there and this other stuff. Let's just go. I want to show you the downtown square. And I was like, great, let's go. Um, and I'm a super big history fan, so I know that that whole area, Savannah, South, St. Mary's, are just littered with Georgia history because oh, yeah. so many of the first ships came and landed there. You know, they used the port in Savannah to to um, to ship goods and to receive goods. And, I mean, it was just a gigantic historical uh area of our state so mm-hmm. i was like man let's go i'm sure there's some cool stuff so i get a cup of coffee i start walking around and i remember seeing a rather large oak tree that was covered in spanish moss and i just thought it was oh, cool. beautiful yeah so i start walking towards this tree and i realize i mean it's probably three blocks away but as i get closer it gets pretty clear that i'm walking towards a graveyard mm. and um and I'm not, I'm a rather large human being. I'm, you know, six foot, 215 pounds. I'm a, I'm a big dude, but graveyards kind of uh, freak me out. So it was 10 o'clock in the morning. If it had been 10 o'clock in the evening, you would not have caught me anywhere near the graveyard. But so I just had to walk in there and I had to go look at this place. So I opened the, the gate and, you know, it creaked just like an old scary movie, like it's supposed <laughs> to. Just hadn't, hadn't had any WD 40 on it. And um, I walk in there. And the oak tree that had caught my eye had a grave that was literally growing up with the roots of the tree. Mm. I mean, it's been there forever. All these stones in this thing. I mean, we're talking early 1800s, some late 1700s. Wow. I mean, crazy old stones. But I'm standing there looking at this tree with the grave growing up on it. And, uh, and no headstone, no nothing on that one. And I was just like, man, this is... One of these days, that whole thing is going to come out of the ground, and that's just crazy to think about. Hmm. I looked to my right, and there's a, a stone that's right by itself, but the shape of it was cool. It looked just like one of the like scary Halloween stones you would see, and 
So I'll walk over there to it. And, um, and I'm going to just recite for you everything on the tombstone because I remember it. It said, um, here rest what was mortal of Samuel Burr, age 42. In search of health far from his endeared home, death arrested his progress on April the 2nd, 1831. Quietly he fell asleep in the Christian hope of immortality and glory forever. Traveler pause and drop a tear at a grave of one so highly worthy and so deeply lamented and learn wisdom for eternity. Hmm. And I was like, somebody from my bloodline did not write that. I can tell you <laughs> right now because that is way too pretty and way too awesome to be it anybody. It is. It's kind of grand. It was awesome. I mean, so I thought, man, number one, people don't write like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Number two, whoever wrote that about this man loved him, which then I had to dig down a little bit and realize it was his wife that put it there, which is oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, it said at the bottom of it, this, this man and his family, they're from Concord, Massachusetts. So huh. he, he really did go a long way trying to get well um, from whatever he was sick with. And, um, and he ended up getting to Georgia and died. And so um, there were just a few lines that really gripped me. Um, death, arre- um, death arrested his progress was such a cool way to say someone died. Yes. And then um, quietly fell asleep in the Christian hope of immortality and glory forever. I thought, man, that's mm-hmm. a really great way to like put into one sentence uh, the hope that he had and the fact that he wasn't really um, dead, but that he had eternal life and was living um, in heaven. And so I thought, wow, what a beautiful thing. So I just took a picture of it and I walked away. Fast forward three years to summer uh, 2015, so this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting, uh, a group, me and a group of my friends, we played at a camp called Big Stuff Camp down in uh, – Panama City Beach, Florida, which is not a city that great things are usually born, but in this case it was. And um, so we get there, and I'm um, sitting on a back porch one evening. My buddy Paul, my buddy Adam say, hey, does anyone have anything that you think could be a cool song idea or anything like that? And I just, for some reason, God brought that tombstone to my brain. So I read it for them, just like I read for you, and only in a moment, um, the Holy Spirit just met us on that back porch and it just kind of started shifting from death arresting his progress to really when Samuel Berg took his last breath, like hmm. Christ arrested death for him in that moment. And because he, he fell asleep in the, in the Christian hope of immortality and glory forever, then really uh, he was given life and given like everything that we as Christians believe happens whenever you pass away. Like that's what he was given yeah. on April 2nd, 1831. So death didn't really arrest anything. Christ mm-hmm. arrested death for him. And so we started thinking like, what would it, what would it be like? And I remember just quietly sitting in the corner of this porch and verse one hits me out of nowhere. Uh, alone in my sorrow, dead in my sin, lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began. So I took it immediately from this from from a physical death, obviously standing there talking about a graveyard, mm-hmm. to spiritual death and like what it was like before we all knew the, the hope that that could be found in Jesus. And truth is, we were all dead to sin. We were all without hope, and there was no there was no plan B other than Jesus. So you know, when He came and whenever He gave His life uh, for us. Um, Things change. You know, as Christians, we believe a few things that number one, Christ was born. Number two, that he was hung on a cross. Number three, that he died and was placed into a tomb. 
And the fourth thing that we believe, and it's the crux, it's, it's, it's the reason Christianity is a, uh, such a polarizing world religion is because we believe that on the third day, Jesus opened mm-hmm. his eyes and that, and that air filled his lungs again. And that with that air and with the, his eyes opening, uh, hope for the world was, was awakened and that death, both physical and spiritual, uh, had no hold on us anymore. So that was the whole mindset behind approaching writing the song. And honestly, I remember every little detail about every lyric that came and wh- how it came and why it came. And I remember um, very specifically um, the part that Heath Balt Ziegler wrote, which is the very end where it says um, that we're free, free, forever we're free. Yeah. Come join the song of the redeemed, free, free, forever, amen. When death was arrested, our life began. It's like I remember him pacing the floors and singing, uh-huh. and I was like, man, that that's the response. Like, if we really believe that, then what we've been given is freedom, and we need to we need to invite everybody we can into that story. So come join the song of the redeemed. Like, we've got something that we're singing, all of us that have faith in Jesus. Our lives are singing a song of redemption. So just invite everybody you can into that. So, Wow, that is beautiful. It turned into a really really cool piece of poetry that we put to music and I'm really proud of it. So, so who put the, uh, who put the, um, melody to it? My buddy, Paul Taylor Smith. Um, he, um, he, he wrote a good bit of the chorus and he contributed the melody to both the verses and the chorus. Um, so again, he just grabbed an acoustic guitar that night on the back porch. And really that first night, all we left with was verse one, and a melody for mm-hmm. the verse and maybe a hinting kind of sort of melody for the chorus. And truthfully, I went to Heath to get a chorus for the song and he wrote the ending part that I wouldn't change for the world now, but it's definitely the ending like anthem, throw your fist up in the air. Oh and, yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. So, uh, the chorus was later developed between, uh, Paul, myself and a guy named Adam Kirsch. So there's four writers on the song. Um, all, all of them were just so incredibly, uh, gracious to join me on it and to help me uh, dig up what I was feeling and to, and to, you know, Heath says it this way, songwriting, a lot of it's contributing and the other parts, just archaeology, helping somebody <laughs> like sort through what you're feeling. And uh, Hey, you know, if, if this is true, if death has been arrested, then, then what do you feel? You know? So uh, verse two was reading through some Psalms and coming up, you know, that says uh, he turns our morning into dancing uh, and, and the ash, um, he re- redeemed ash for beauty and all these things that are just really poetic ways to say, like, what used to be dead is now alive. And so we um, just dug through Psalms together and came up with verse two. And verse three, I'm not even going to lie, I was sitting out by a pool. Um, I'm in Florida for the summer, so I'm sitting out by a pool. And for some reason, I just heard, release from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame is a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested, my life began. All that sitting by a pool, it was wow. like just this, uh, you can ask my wife, she was a little bit annoyed because for three or four days there, it was just all I could think about. And not just three or four days, maybe even two or three weeks. It was like, all I could think was about the next line and the next line mm-hmm. and where the song was going to go. Um, and then the first time we played it was for our our um, students at the student camp, we play for a North Point Community Church called The Walk. Mm-hmm. First time it was ever done. So it started at Big Stuff Camp and was finished at The Walk. And I will never forget, we did it acoustically. 
We had no idea how the full band version was ever going to be put together. We just sat down with acoustics and played it on the front of the stage and literally like the entire room just just shifted. I mean, mm-hmm. there was something about it. There's something about the power and and proclaiming that. I think um, I think that's something that's super inspiring about writing songs, specifically Christian ones, is that mm-hmm. uh, we don't need to sing um, to God or sing about God to remind Him who He is, but we need to remind ourselves. And there's something about singing those lines of being free, free, forever we're free. Because there are moments, you know, you know this and I know this, where you don't feel free. You yeah. know, you feel we feel bound to sin. We, we feel bound to whatever um, ties us down, you know, mortgage payments. And I mean, all the things in life that really, that really can be weights. Um, But at the end of the day, with your faith in Jesus, you're free. So live like it, you know? And I mean, I think there's just something about the people of God proclaiming the truths in this song that tend to set a room free. And that's awesome. Man, I love that. Yeah, I saw, I'm I'm very excited because uh, I've seen the uh, version that was on YouTube and that was already just so powerful. I can't, I can't wait to hear and to share this song uh, that North Point is doing. Did you play on this song as well? I sure did. Yep, that's uh, me playing the drums on it. So, so once you played your part, like you went home, and they've they've been like doing their stuff. So yeah, honestly, they were very gracious. You know, they they got behind the song, and when, when an organization like North Point with the size and the um, just the resources that they have say, Hey, we want to get behind something. You just let them do it. Mm-hmm. So I said, great. You know, I went in and played my part and they hired, um, Steve Fee and Steve Marcy, uh, Marcy to produce the song. And so whenever they did that, I just said, okay, they're going to, I trust them to do whatever's best. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, I've heard a couple of rough mixes, but the final, the final deal I still have not heard. And, uh, so I'm kind of I'm anxiously awaiting with all of you because I I mean I know it's going to be awesome. I'm just so excited to hear. Well, through the magic of podcasting, yeah. <laughs> since this podcast is actually going to be uh posted the day that Death was arrested is releasing, we get to play that song right now. So it's uh, awesome. Yeah, this is very exciting. So listeners, this once again is Death Was Arrested and you just heard the backstory. So I hope you enjoy this. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over 
say thank you again for taking the time to talk to us here on Sounding the Light and for sharing your heart and uh, letting us play your songs today. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for playing them. And, and again, thanks to, thanks to the audience for, for listening and caring. I mean, uh, here's here's what I'll, I'll kind of say to, to end out. Um, great songs and great worship and great songwriters are still out there. And mm. 
you know, support them. I mean, go out and, and spend the dollar twenty nine on iTunes or go out and do whatever because it's still out there and there's a lot of um there's a lot of music these days are being created that, that isn't super creative and doesn't require a whole lot of time and thought, but there are still some really great people who are writing and playing and investing in music. And that's the one thing I promise you, you know, when life's going great, you want to listen to music and when life's going bad, going bad, you want to listen to music. Yeah. It, it crosses, it crosses genres. It crosses, um, uh, economic, uh, status. It crosses whatever music yeah. is such a powerful tool. So, um, just keep, keep doing it. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for literally shining a light on, on great music and great musicians and songs. And I mean, it really, it means a lot to people like me. So I appreciate it a lot. Awesome. Thank you. If you would like to hear more from Brandon Coker, you can connect with him on Facebook and Twitter. You can also download the song Death Was Arrested and Trust It All on iTunes. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and would like to hear more from Sounding the Light, you are more than welcome to subscribe uh, through iTunes. You can just click on the red subscribe button and you will never miss an episode. You can also connect with us on Facebook. If you have any questions or comments or even suggestions of another artist that you would like to hear from here on Sounding the Light, just email me, Tara Tucker, at stlpodcast33 at gmail.com. That is stlpodcast33 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you're in the South Atlanta area, you can catch me every other Friday on 90.7, 91.7 New Life FM. I'm on there with the uh, host of the new morning show, Pete Shagnon, and uh, we get to highlight some of the interviews from uh, Sounding the Light, and uh, every now and then we even get to have some of the uh, artists come in and visit us live. So if you're interested, once again, that is every other Friday between 8 and 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. If you are not in the Atlanta area and would like to listen in, you can go to the Sounding the Light homepage, go to the places where the pictures scroll through, and click on the New Mornings banner, and it'll take you straight to a place where you can live stream. Thank you so much for visiting me today. I hope you had a great time. I sure enjoyed spending this time with you. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you right back here again soon on SoundingTheLight.com. God bless.